Welcome back to another edition of the John Clay Podcast in association with Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, we are previewing this week the Kentucky-Georgia football game Saturday afternoon in Athens, Georgia at Sanford Stadium, 12 noon start on the SEC Network. My guests this week are Jennifer Smith, the UK football beat writer for the Lexington Herald Leader, and Jason Butt, the beat writer for the Macon Telegraph and Columbus Ledger Inquirer, who covers the Georgia Bulldogs. So let's get right to it. Okay, my guest on the podcast is my regular guest on the podcast, Jennifer Smith, uh, the UK football beat writer for the Lexington Herald Leader and for Kentucky.com. How's it going today, Jen? It's busy. How are you, John? <laughs> yeah, it's busy. There's a lot of stuff going on, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, we're in this football-basketball overlap and all that kind of stuff that people don't want to hear about our problems. They want to hear about Kentucky football. Kentucky goes to Georgia on Saturday for a noon start. Uh, both teams reeling. Let, let's talk about. Uh, let's start off with Kentucky. Let's talk about the running backs. Both Boom Williams. We didn't think he was going to play. Now they say he's day to day. What What's the status of Boom? We're, we're by the way, we're taping this on Wednesday afternoon. Do we know any more about uh, Boom? And what What do you think is going to happen with him on Saturday? Well, on on Tuesday night, his position coach Chad Scott told um, a couple of us that were standing nearby and asked how Boom was doing that his pain had considerably lessened that he was able to have pretty strong movements in, in the elbow that he had injured and that it was probably not going to take as long for him to come back as people initially suspected um, from what he called, you know, a kind of a gruesome injury, which I would concur after seeing several photos from different angles. Um, so, you know, Chad Scott listed him as day-to-day. He said trainers were listing him as day-to-day. And then uh, I asked Mark Stoops this afternoon on the, the SEC teleconference, his usual time on the, the weekly teleconference, and he said that he's still is game planning as if they won't have boom, that he's, he still considers him doubtful. But, you know, you, he also sort of couched it with, but we'll see what kind of progress he makes. So, you know, I, I wouldn't completely rule out a chance for Boom Williams. I mean, Stoops sort of said something interesting, you know, when he was asked about Williams not playing and said, you know, you play against a lot of SEC teams that have these kind of home run hitters, these guys who will make, who are sort of dangerous and potentially could make the big play every time they have the ball. And, and Boom is one of our only guys who, who has that capability. And, you know, I, I just thought it was interesting how much they're relying on him and how much they sort of need him to be better. You know, I I don't know if, if they're going to play him or not, but I, I do think that he's probably not out for the season the way that most people sort of fretted about it after that, that injury. Right, right. But one of the bright spots out of the Tennessee game, one of the few bright spots, was Mikel Horton and the way he – he ran the ball. What what about him going into this game? I mean, he had over 100 yards against Tennessee. Yeah, you know, it was sort of interesting because we were just asking, you know, once again, it was a, a Chad Scott moment where there were just a couple people standing and we were sort of asking about Horton wanting to write about him this week. And it came out that, that Horton was, um, I, I guess he had a pretty serious concussion after that South Carolina, you know, run that he had to the point where he said he didn't even know where he was. You know, he was on the bench and he had no idea where he was and he saw the offense out there but wasn't sure um, why he wasn't out there. He, he didn't remember scoring the touchdown. I mean, so he clearly had his bell rung pretty severely and it, it scared him. I mean, he said it, he was completely frightened by the fact that he couldn't remember things, that he had he'd never been knocked out before, you know, knocked out cold, he said before. And he said it made him tentative for the last few games, that every time he got the ball, he sort of thought about it and worried about it and you know, was scared a little bit to get hit again. And, you know, coaches had sort of been trying to help him along in the process. And 
it, it was just sort of interesting to, to hear that take because nobody had really heard that. It just sort of looked like he fell off after the South Carolina game. But apparently he was quite traumatized by that injury. And, you know, the Tennessee game, there was uh, – I think it was the first first carry he got the Tennessee game. He sort of took a guy in a very similar situation to the South Carolina game. He had a one-on-one situation and, you know, lowered his shoulder. And, you know, and he, he came off the field sort of smiling and saying, I feel like I'm back now. And Chad Scott said, you know, he for the first time since that injury looked like he was back. So they really think that he can still be the player that they were sort of discussing so high on two games into the season after that South Carolina game. And I think it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of elevate his game if Boom is out, if he can sort of elevate his game and and become one of those home run hitters for Kentucky. Yeah, well, I mean, well, they they definitely could. They definitely the way the offense has been playing, they definitely could use them. And they're coming off of uh, you know two uh, blowout losses, and it was it was Mikel Horton who uh, told us there at the uh, in the player interviews after practice yesterday that they had another team meeting. Uh, and I guess Josh Forrest and Patrick Coles, who I, I guess you would expect to call those sort of things, called the team meeting. What, what kind of effect do you think that'll have? I don't know. I mean, the first team, they had sort of a, a come to Jesus last Monday, I think, where, with Stoops sort of asking if anybody wanted had anything to say. And some guys stood up and said their piece. And, you know, I, I, I think that, that, that players sort of have the distinct impression that, that this year is different, and the coaches too. I mean, I've, I asked several coaches yesterday about it, but they sort of they don't feel like this slide is the same as the sixteen slide that ended last season. They feel like it's a little bit different in nature, and and the players are slightly more mature, and they're figuring things out, and that it's not about them not knowing what they're doing anymore. It's about them trying to elevate their play to, to be better. Yeah, I think it's you know I, I think if it does something, then that's one of those raw raw moments. I think if it doesn't, then it's just another team meeting where people were able to say what they wanted. But, you know, it was interesting to hear Patrick say that, that if there was complacency, that they needed an energy adjustment, you know, that, that maybe some guys needed to figure some things out. And, you know, it lasted almost an hour. So my guess is people have some things to get off their chest with the coaches not present. And, you know, maybe it will make a difference. They're, they're not playing a Georgia team that looks like a typical Georgia team. They're, they're not playing a Georgia team that you know, that has its back together right now. So it'll be sort of interesting to see which team arrives for both on both sidelines, I think. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that Horton said that one about half the team was on one page and another half was on another page. And I asked him about what that meant, what he meant by that. And I got the impression from what he said that maybe some guys thought other guys weren't doing enough, maybe whether it was watch not watching enough video or not getting to training suit, not like they're supposed to when they're coming back from injuries you know, that sort of thing. I don't know uh, what you took from what he said, but, uh, and also, you know, I don't know how, you know, team meetings, it seems like, you know, teams always have team meetings. We in the media always write about it because it's something different and so forth, but I, I wonder how much of an effect it actually has. I do too. And, you know, Stoops sort of, he's, I think he's sort of skeptical about those things too. He, he says that they use it to motivate themselves. Great. If they don't, you know, that's fine too. But I, you know, I was sort of intrigued to know that, that Tolls and Josh Forrest got together and called the meeting. I, I, I thought that, you know, this has been a team that's kind of been searching for leaders, you know, especially right. vocal leaders, because a lot of them are sort of, sort of so young or, or so inexperienced at their positions that they're just still trying to figure some things out. So I thought it was interesting that some leaders are starting to emerge for this team, and, and maybe that'll pay off in the long run. Right, right. Let's talk about another bright spot, somebody that you wrote about in the today's paper and online on Kentucky.com, and that's safety Mike Edwards. 
Uh, Stoops doesn't seem to be too happy with the way the secondary has been playing, so he's put some young guys in there, and he's one guy who, who seems to have really impressed the coaches. Yeah, I, I think that they've always sort of been high on Mike Edwards. I think he he was still sort of young and hadn't had a lot of real game action, hadn't you know been playing at the speed that, that he could to actually be effective in SEC games. But, you know, he, he had – had 15 tackles in the last two games. He seems to always be wherever the ball is. You know, I think that his play is maybe sort of elevating some of those younger guys in the secondary's play. And, you know, I mean, for Stoops, who's usually not a guy who throws out compliments like kisses or anything, he, he you know, for him to say that that Mike had, had earned the right to be on the field at almost all times, I thought that was a really interesting statement for him. It was very definitive. And, you know, they're moving some people around because of it. I mean, I think Stamps is going to see less playing time. I, You know, I think that they might have found a good answer in, in Marcus McWilson moving kind of down into the, you know, the lower part of the field to, to maybe right. give Kentucky a viable pass rush. I mean, there's a lot of kind of moving parts right now, especially with some injuries on the defensive line and in the linebackers. So, you know, I think that he's a good addition. He's at least a shot of energy, if nothing else, to a defense that looks really – non-energetic the last couple of games. Right, right. Now, I was way off this past week against Tennessee. I thought that they would come back after Mississippi State and play better. I didn't predict them to win. I thought Tennessee would win, but I thought that they would play better than they played in Starkville, and obviously, you know, they didn't. They let the game get away from them. But what do you think about this week? Do you think they'll bounce back? I mean, they're on the road. They're playing a Georgia team that, as you mentioned earlier, is uh, – you know, just steamrolled them the first the last two years. Mark Stoops' first two years as a head coach. Can Kentucky get it together enough to have a representative effort down in Athens? You think? I think it'll be closer than the than the other two games, mainly just because of the what they were playing against. I think that Kentucky has struggled mightily. We talk about this every week on the podcast. It feels like that they struggle mightily against mobile quarterbacks against, right. you know, teams that, that have guys. And, and I'm not even sure Georgia, if they put their two quarterbacks together, has a quarterback that they feel good about right now. And, you know, I think yeah, that, Georgia fans would – that's right. Georgia fans would say they don't have a quarterback. So Kentucky would be <laughs> – they don't have to worry about that. But go ahead. Well, maybe if they combine two of them. I mean, Stu seems to think – he said on the, the, the teleconference today that he thinks they'll go back to Lambert, and Lambert is sort of the guy that they, they believe they're going to see on Saturday. You know, I, I think that'll be – That'll be fun and interesting to sort of watch. But but I do think that, you know, the Kentucky defense has been pretty badly beaten up. I don't know that they've been real forthright about that going forward or looking back, I guess. Um, But, you know, I I think that they're going to be better just by the nature of the type of team they're playing versus, you know, the other. And and Georgia's offense has really struggled. They haven't haven't scored a touchdown in, what, nine or ten quarters now, and they, they've really just struggled mightily against some really good defenses, mind you. But but also, you know, they just seem like a team that's struggling almost as much as Kentucky, if not more, at this point in the season. And then, you know, Kentucky's offense has some, some players that are capable of making big plays. We're not sure how healthy they are. And a guy like Garrett Johnson, who wasn't available for reporters yesterday, Boom Williams is the big question mark, you know, is told going to be the tolls of old or the tolls of new? It's it's hard to know, but I, I think it'll be a really fun, fascinating game to watch. Oh yeah, right. And because you got two teams, you know, desperate for a win, who's fan, both their fan bases are upset. You know, a lot of criticism at both teams. You know, as, like Stoops said after the Tennessee game, you know, the only way we can get rid of this feeling is to get a 
is to get a win, and he was trying to, you know, that he, he didn't want to see people's heads hanging and that sort of thing. What about now? We don't get we don't get to talk to the defensive players and DJ Elliott until after practice today. But I'll go ahead and ask you this question: DJ moved up into the box, uh, into the coach's box instead of being down on the sidelines on Saturday. Uh, where do you, any idea where he's going to be Saturday? And and uh, I think you're exactly right. I think the defense is a little more beat up and has more injuries than they're letting on. Uh, uh, I mean, what sort of effect do you think that that's having on them? I, I think it's had a huge effect. I think that, you know, we keep hearing about rolled ankles for various players. I mean, guys like Hatcher, guys like C.J. Johnson, um, you know, Denzel Ware was in a boot recent, is, is recently as two weeks ago, you know, on campus. I, I think there are all sorts of little dinged-up things like that, and anyone that's had an ankle injury of any kind knows that those don't just go away, even with expert trainers within a week or two. You know, I think that they have a lot of sort of nagging injuries that have made them slower to the ball and, and maybe slower in general. So, so I think those have been the you know the big struggles for the defense. As far as DJ in the box, I just I I, I wasn't quite sure what to make of that. Maybe I mean in all of your football yeah. and years of doing this, it, it was sort of surprising to me that they decided to do that. I, I thought it was sort of interesting to move Derek Ainsley down back down. He used to be the defensive guy in the box. They moved him back down. The fact that he's coaching. You know, as many as four freshmen in the secondary, you know, I think that maybe they need to see his face and have him kind of in their face, those younger players. I think that's a benefit for Kentucky. And then, you know, D.J. Elliott and Mark Stoops are sort of of the same mind when you think about it. I mean, he trained under Mark Stoops. Whatever he knows about defense, he probably learned from Mark Stoops. And having two of those on the field at the same time maybe isn't beneficial. Maybe the, the best move is to move D.J. up and let him – sort of see things differently and give different perspectives. The same way that Shannon Dawson used to do for, for Dana Holgerson in West Virginia. You know, I mean, he would be able to look at formations and, and make play suggestions. And, yeah, I'm not saying Elliot isn't making the play calls necessarily, but, you know, it might make it easier, I guess, at least as far as communication and, and visualization. Um, yeah. You know, they, they said it was kind of specifically for Tennessee because of the misdirection plays they run and, and things like that. I, I'm not totally sure that that's the case. But I'll, I'll be interested to see if he's up there with us, you know, come come Saturday. Yeah, I will. Yeah, it, there's a part of me that thinks it was a little bit of a panic move. They were just trying something different to get, you know, the things to change up after the Mississippi State game. But we'll we'll see. I mean, I, like DJ said when we talked to him after the game on Saturday, there's pros and cons to to, to doing it. And it, it, I think it is unusual to have usually your secondary coach is up in the box because he can. He's a guy who needs a wider view of the field to see what the secondary is doing and what the receivers are doing. But you make a good point. They've got so many young guys in the secondary. Maybe they need the secondary coach, you know, with some hands-on coaching down on the sideline. So it'll be interesting Saturday to see who is where when uh, Kentucky comes into Sanford Stadium, which, by the way, is by far my – well, I wouldn't say by far, but it's my favorite stadium in the SEC. I like the way it sits down in the campus and uh, – so forth. That's my favorite stadium. So uh, if nothing else, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the game game on uh, on Saturday. Uh, Jen, I appreciate you, as always, being on the podcast. You can follow Jen's work on Kentucky.com. And also you can follow her on Twitter at uh, Jen Herald Leader. And we will both be there in Athens on Saturday. And uh, I know we're both looking forward to it. Very much so. <laughs> That's good. Thanks, Jen. We'll talk to you next week. Sure. Have a good day. You too. And my guest is Jason Butt from the Macon Telegraph. Uh, Jason is on his first year on the beat covering the University of Georgia. Jason, you were telling me you came from the Washington Post. Is that correct? 
Yes, sure is. I covered preps for uh, two years. And then, and, but you're from the Athens area. Yeah, I grew up in uh, Watkinsville, so it's kind of like a, a little homecoming for me to to come back and uh, you know cover this team this year. Well, that's good. And you're a UGA grad, so you know a lot about the. Yeah, I'd say you followed Georgia football for quite a while. Yeah, you know, I, I grew up around it, so it's, it's kind of hard to escape. Uh, you know, all the all the UGA football fans around here. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> well, as someone who grew up in Central Kentucky, it was hard to escape the Kentucky football and basketball fans around here too. Too, right. Jason. What about uh, uh, Kentucky? Of course, comes to Georgia for a, a noon kickoff game on Saturday. Both teams kind of reeling right now. But what? Uh, give me just a brief or a, a, just a, just an overall view of where Georgia stands right now. How upset and angry are the fans? And then what what is the mood with the team after that twenty seven to three loss to Florida last week? Yeah, yeah. Starting with the fan base, it's uh it's pretty pretty distraught, pretty despair. <laughs> That's the best way I could describe it. Uh it, the the pressure on Mark Rick, the Georgia's head coach, has never been as high. Um you know, there there's a lot of talk about whether he'll be back next year and I think for a long time there was a lot of people that you know speculated. There's been a lot of Rick haters that maybe maybe wanted him to go, but it was never really a a true thing that could possibly happen. And I think this is the first time that it actually seems like it is a possibility, especially if they don't finish the the season on a high note. Uh, players have have been you know this week have been fairly down about you know what they've gone through the last uh, you know few weeks i mean the most important part of their season was this past four game stretch and they went one and three and you know the alabama the alabama game and the florida game were you know, quite frankly embarrassing so uh you know they're, they're looking to get back on a positive note against kentucky but i mean it's 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 really tough i don't think you know growing up you know in this area i don't know if i've ever seen a you know an attitude quite like this that, that we're seeing right now what, what's been the biggest problem with this team? I know, uh, you know, Mark Rick started a new quarterback, a guy who had never started before in the Florida game after going with Grayson Lambert earlier in the season. Has that been the biggest problem with Georgia so far, the offense and quarterback play? I know they lost Nick Chubb, their best player, you know, All-American running back. Uh, obviously, that had to hurt them. But what, what's, what's been the big problem with Georgia to this point? Yeah, it's really been the quarterback position. Uh, last year they got, you know, they had Hudson Mason in there. He replaced Aaron Murray, and, and he was just a guy that he could move the chains. He wouldn't get you in mistakes. They had a powerful run game that they could lean on. So, you know, he was able to kind of manage the game, and really none of the, the guys so far have been able to do that. And I think with uh, with Lambert, you kind of saw spots where he would do fairly well, and then there would just be a lot of inconsistencies. Then you'd see him throw a pass that, you know, should never be thrown. And, and uh, quite frankly, I mean, that's why they decided to make a change and go with Patone Valda, you know, against Florida. But in hindsight, you know, if that's what they were going to get, then maybe they should have just stuck with Lambert the whole time. Uh, consistency at the quarterback position has been the, the main thing that they haven't been able to get. Losing Nick Chubb has, uh, you know, forced Georgia to where they haven't been able to lean on the running game as much as they probably wanted to. And then on top of that, they haven't gotten consistent play calling from Brian Schottenheimer. So, been just a myriad of issues on offense. Uh, the offensive line hasn't been as strong either, and that's kind of where they're at right now as a result. Talking about Dick Ch- Nick Chubb being out and uh, the other running backs and so forth. Now, Sony Michelle didn't he hurt break his hand or suffer a small fracture in his hand against Florida? And will he be able to play this week? Yeah, he sustained a uh, Rick called it a slight fracture in his right hand. 
So he's going to carry the ball with his left hand for the most part. He's going to play, you know, how much or if he's limited. I mean, he's also effective as a receiver, but, you know, with a cast on his hand, who knows how, you know, much he'll be able to catch passes. So it could limit him out there, but, yeah, he plans to play. Now, we're, we're, we're taping this podcast on Wednesday afternoon. Has Rick said who his starting quarterback will be Saturday? Who, who, and if he hasn't, who do you think it'll be? Well, on the uh, his weekly SEC teleconference spot, uh, you know, early Wednesday afternoon, he said basically uh, either either Grayson Lambert or Bryce Ramsey. Uh, you know, they've been taking the uh, majority of the reps with the first team this week, so looks like there's going to be a different guy uh, under center this week as well. And I, honestly, at this at this point, I wouldn't be surprised who it is. It very well could wind up being Bryce Ramsey. Uh, you know, take, taking the snaps. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I'd say I'd probably say Lambert, but I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they went ahead and and pulled the trigger and let Ramsey uh, let Ramsey do it uh, as well, just because uh, you know what does this team have to lose at this point? Talking with Jason Butt of the Macon Telegraph, who can his the the Columbus Ledger Inquirer also carries his uh, Georgia stories covering uh, Georgia athletics. What about defensively with Jeremy Pruitt? How have they done defensively this year? It's just been up and down. They've played a whole lot of freshmen and sophomores on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what's really hurt uh, this Georgia team is the uh, is the fact that the class of 2013 you know, hasn't really produced much, really on either side of the ball. And so, as a result, you know they they've got uh, you know right now they're starting a true freshman cornerback, they're starting a true sophomore cornerback, uh, a, a sophomore safety, um, you know sophomores you know at uh, at a outside linebacker, uh, Lorenzo Carter is getting in the mix, uh, you know, rotating in there. Um, you know, they just there's a void of uh, Trent Thompson up front, Spencer tackle. There's just been a void of, uh, you know, that kind of like senior leadership. I mean, not necessarily that the leadership is a void, but just senior presence. I mean, you got you got a their best defender throughout the, in, the entirety of this year has been uh, Jake Gaines, who was a transfer from UAB, and the only reason he's at the program is because UAB, you know, for the short term folded. Uh, it's football program, so and he's been the best guy. So I mean, it just shows you know that class of 2013 kind of fell through, and therefore you know they've had to really bring along a lot of young guys these last couple of years, and therefore you've seen mixed results. Uh, you know they played pretty well against Florida, all things considered. Uh, the offense kind of let them down. Uh, the you know defense was on the field for over 36 minutes. Uh, you know they played well against Missouri. Uh, didn't play well at all against Tennessee. Uh, you know, struggled against Alabama when uh, when when the, when the Crimson Tide were able to hit some plays. But uh, for the most part, you see the progress that's being made on that side of the ball. And uh, but you know, with with all the stuff surrounding Coach Rick in this program, you have to wonder if they're you know, if Coach Rick's gone next year, then I think uh, you know everybody's gone, and then you're just kind of starting from scratch. So uh, I know that kind of gets ahead of the thing because we're talking about Kentucky here, but. It, it's been up and down. I mean, with, with a quarterback like Patrick Coles there, uh, you know, at, at, with the Wildcats, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he had some success just because, you know, he's he's one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. And, uh, you know, it is a pretty young secondary out there. Well, let's talk about Mark Richt. I mean, he, he has the reputation of being a pretty even keel guy. He's been there for 15 years. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he, at least his sideline demeanor, he doesn't get too high or too low. But how has he handled this, all the criticism and, the, as you mentioned, losing three out of four in a very important stretch? But has he been any different with you guys in the media than he normally is? Uh, no, he, he's been about the same, but, you know, he's been through it before. Uh, in 2010 and 2011, that was 
the last time I think a lot of people thought that possibly uh, a change could be made because they went six and seven, lost to Central Florida uh, in their bowl game, and then all of a sudden um, they went six and seven in their bowl game, and then all of a sudden uh, they start the 2011 season now 0 and two, and as a result, you know there were you know people calling for his head and everything, and so uh, you just have to wonder uh, you know if it'll take that next step this time just with all the pressure and everything that is mounting on them right now. But uh, he, he stayed, you know, he stayed calm yesterday in his presser. We'll talk to him again today. It's just, uh, it's just kind of crazy and surreal because I think there has always been a faction that maybe has wanted to push him out. And this is the first time where it actually seems like there is a chance that it could happen. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, 15 years at Georgia, he's kind of been the face of the program for, you know, nearly two decades now, and it's it's kind of weird to think that, you know, there is a chance that it could come to an end. What about, I've been talking to a couple of friends down there, and they, they say they're not expecting a very big crowd on Saturday, that the fans are really down on the team, that it's an early start, a noon start. Uh, do you, I mean, would you expect, uh, will, will this draw the normal, and, and Kentucky's not a name opponent in football like you would, uh, like a Tennessee or an Alabama or or somebody like that, uh, what kind of crowd are you expecting on Saturday? Well, I would not be surprised if it's one that doesn't show up or fills the seats just because, I mean, you look at the Florida and Alabama games against Alabama, uh, fans left at the end, you know, early third quarter uh, once that game got out of hand. And then the Florida game, there were a lot of empty seats, uh, you know, after halftime. I mean, people left then. I think there's, uh, for a lot of people, there's a sense of dissatisfaction and, um I mean, you know, winning cures all. If they can string together four wins, maybe that saves them. You know, that saves them this season. But, uh, you know, I, you, you, all you have to do is look at social media, just talk to people around here. And uh, it, it's it's about as bad as it's been, you know, since the pre-Rick era. And that, that's really what kind of makes you think or wonder, you know, if something could happen, you know, after this season. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if it's – about as empty as the Sanford Stadium's, you know, been since he took over in 2001. Now back to the game for a minute. We're talking to Jason Bud of the Macon Telegraph and the Columbus Ledger Inquirer covers Georgia athletics. Uh, give us, give the Kentucky fans who are listening to this podcast, give them a couple of Georgia players that they should uh, keep an eye on uh, Saturday. Guys that uh, maybe they don't know a whole lot about who, who through this disappointing season have actually played pretty well. Yeah, you know, in the secondary, the last few weeks, uh, true freshman Juwan Briscoe has been back there at cornerback, and he's he's played well. He's kind of filled in for uh, Aaron Davis. Davis, uh, uh, he he got benched. Uh, you know, he was a starter last year, began this year as a starter, and uh, and Briscoe's played well. Uh, you know, got from uh, Waldorf, Maryland, kind of the uh, greater Washington D.C. area, and uh, he's he's somebody that that's, that's uh, done well. I mean, really, you just look at the defensive side of the ball. Those guys have. They've had some guys. Trent Thompson, a guy I mentioned earlier, you know, he's a big guy. He he has a bright future ahead of him at Georgia. And um, I'll, yeah, and uh, let let's see. I did Jay Gaines. I mentioned him. I guess he's kind of gotten his name around the SEC. He's been Georgia's leading tackler, probably their best player. You know, on the offensive side of the football, they're working in a new offensive line this week, which will feature uh, D- uh, Dyshawn Sims. Uh, he's gonna get. He's more than likely going to get his first career start at right guard in place of Greg Pike, who's getting benched. And then they're moving around some guys. Uh, John Diaz has been left tack- been a left tackle all last year and all this year, and it looks like he's going to move to right tackle, and Isaiah Wynn will then take over at left tackle. So they can, 
Yeah, they got they got some guys that are trying to mix there to maybe kickstart the running game that's kind of struggled in recent weeks and uh and but that that's really I mean on the off, offensive side of the football for you know lately it's been kind of slim pickings uh you know if uh if George is able to get something in the passing game maybe Terry Godwin uh you know true freshman guy steps in or steps up uh you know he's kind of been their number two guy for the most part this year behind Malcolm Mitchell who you know when Malcolm Mitchell's on the field for Georgia he's our best offensive football player. And you kind of feel bad for him with the way the season's gone because he has no opportunities for him have been limited based on the, what's gone on with the quarterback situation. Right. Let, let, let me ask you a question about down the road. I know Georgia has a commitment from a really good quarterback. Where does that stand? How does he feel about what's going on? And will fans say, well, you know, Rick, he's not doing well this year, but he does have a good recruiting class coming in with a really top-flight quarterback prospect. We'll give him a, another year or two. Yeah, uh, Jacob Easton from uh, Lake Stevens, Washington. Um, you know, when it comes to the administration, I don't think they're going to, you know, base any decision on a recruiting class or one one player. I think it's going to be what they feel uh, the direction of the program needs to head in. So, uh, you know, that – but, you know, that said, uh, you know, Easton, if, if Rick's not here, Easton will look around. And, sure, he'll he'll wait until – you know, probably before change. If he did change his commitment status, uh, it would probably be uh, you know until after Georgia hired a replacement. Now, if, if Georgia went out and got a guy whose offense didn't fit his skill set, yeah, he'll, he'll go somewhere else. His father's been on the record saying that. So, I mean, that that's something that uh, you know Georgia may have to deal with. If they want to cut ties with Rick and they don't bring in a first style guy, um, then they very well could lose Ethan. But you know, that said, I mean. When you make decisions based on your on your football program, you don't do it just you know you don't you don't do it with a recruiting class or one player in mind. I mean, you do it because you want to make sure you have the you feel confident in the guy that uh, you think will lead you you know to championships and and to you know uh, you know a lot a lot of wins and all that. And I mean, yeah, support for Rick has kind of waned over you know the course of this season, and I think even a lot of his defenders are now beginning to question whether he's the guy. And, uh, you know, that could be a consequence if they decide to go in a new direction. You know, they very well could lose, uh, you know, arguably the top quarterback in the, in the country. And uh, that, that's something I think that, you know, Athletic Director Greg McGarrity or President Jerry Moorhead, I think that's something that, you know, they would just have to have to live with and deal with. And um, if they feel they have to do – if they feel they have to make a, a change and go in a different direction with the head coach. Well, it should be an interesting environment, that's for sure, <laughs> coming into coming into Athens on Saturday. Jason, tell the listeners how they can uh, check out your work leading up to the game and after the game, uh, both yeah. online and on Twitter and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. For uh, for the Telegraph, uh, uh, you can go to uh, Macon dot com. That's where uh, you know all, all of my stories are online. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Jason H Butt. And uh, yeah, here and uh, you know on Saturday, I'll I'll be at the game and uh, covering. Covering the Bulldogs and the Wildcats uh, should be an interesting one, that's for sure. Yeah, it should be. Well, listen, Jason, <laughs> I appreciate your time, and I look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on. Okay, that wraps it up for this week's podcast. I want to thank my guests, Jennifer Smith of the Lexington Arrow Leader and Jason Butt of the Macon Telegraph. Be sure and check out Jennifer and myself. We'll be in Athens for the game Saturday at Sanford Stadium. You can check out my live blog on Kentucky.com or on my blog at johnclay.blog.com. Log on there and you can make comments, observations, uh, join in the fun as we uh, live blog the game from Athens. You can also follow myself on Twitter at John Clay IV. 
You can also follow Jen on Twitter at Jen Herald Leader. Remember, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe to it on iTunes. And be sure and check out all the great coverage on Kentucky.com. Thanks again for listening.